This is exactly right. Hi. Thank you. Have fun. <laughs> That's the beginning of the fuck. <laughs> There's Vince taking over cook- cookie duty, puppy duty for me. Oh, nice. Hello. <laughs> and welcome to my favorite murder. That's Georgia Heartstar. That's Karen Kilgariff. <laughs> we, th- I thought Georgia was just starting the podcast when she said hi to Vince. <laughs> <laughs> hi, hi. This is how I start now. This is the new beginning. Yeah. We're starting by, by saying hi to other people. That's right. Well, in the house. No, this is that was Vince coming home from his podcast recording. Tag slapping each other's hands and tag teaming puppy duty. Don't interrupt me. Don't let the puppy interrupt me while I'm working. It's fucking exhausting. Puppy. Do you watch wrestling? Then you should listen to We Watch Wrestling. <laughs> That's right. And Monday Vince. Night Beers because Vince can't have enough podcasts, it turns out. Wait, did he? I didn't know he started another podcast. Yeah, a while back. It's because it, they used to do Monday Night Beers, he and his awesome friends, where they would meet up Monday nights, obviously, for beer. Everyone was welcome. And so when the podcast started, I mean, when, when the pandemic started, they were like, well, let's do a podcast of Monday Night Beers on Zoom. And so now they're just kind of meeting up once in a while, like once nice. a week. Yeah. But safely, very safely. I love that. But if they're if they're double vaxxed, oh yeah. They can do it. They're all vaxxed. They're all safe. It's a really funny podcast. Uh so that was who my Jesse plug. Jesse Pop, Je- who is just Jesse a Pop? fucking legend. His stories he tells are the best. Gnarly Zach, who is the coolest. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Burns. And then um they usually have a guest come on, like someone who would be at you can only be a guest if you would have been at Monday Night Beers, which I of course I have, so I could be a guest. That's- but they haven't asked me yet. Oh, <laughs> mm, something to bring up at the dinner table. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> What's going on? I love that. That's a very good group. Yeah. Um, I'm. I have my own podcast, which is called Existing in Real Life with Other People, and it is <laughs> mind blowing. Um, yeah, I've just been hanging out with my family, yeah. and I we got to. My cousin Stevie, his daughter Anna, and I all have birthdays in the same week. Uh-huh. And so we had a combo birthday party on Saturday, I believe it was. Today's Monday. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, <laughs> on Saturday, uh, all together at my cousin Stevie's house. And I've told you this before, but Stevie lives in the property behind my Aunt Jean's house and farm where we grew up. Oh, yeah. And next door to where our old house. So basically, when you're sitting at his house, you can see our old house. Oh, my God. And you can see his mom's old house. And my Aunt Jean, his mom now lives with him. And it's like it a is history just, of your life. It is. And then uh, I was just like, I just I think we need to buy the field next door so that we can make this a really bizarre kind of like yeah um, you know apocalyptic cult compound yes where we just stay together all the time having barbecues and you know playing volleyball uh, during wedding season you can do like make a farmhouse and do like farmhouse weddings make that cash make that huge wedding industry cash actually there are definitely people in petaluma who have done that because that is 
these that look of like that yeah. kind of that's what's everywhere here but the Aww. funny thing is we grew up around those barns but when you go inside them they're filled with rusty old farming equipment <laughs> and spider webs and that's all and just nails to be stepped on galore yep, yep. Oh! that was how we spent our afternoons after school <laughs> oh around rusty stuff yeah <laughs> rusty but it's sharp been very, just sharp stuff see what, how you do rusty sharp um, things steven i'm writing write that down steven in case we need to <laughs> Rusty Sharp Things. Title Rusty this. Sharp Things is uh, that's going to be my new book. Um, <laughs> hey, kind of like when it, we're writing a new book. We can finally talk about it. Isn't that crazy? Yes, it's called Rusty Sharp Things. <laughs> it's, it's about well, we're working on that title, but it's it's in the it's on the <laughs> list. It's one of the ideas that we're mulling over. It's on the whiteboard of life. <laughs> Did you know there's an app now? I just thought of this because I always thought like if you're having a kid and you, like how hard it would be to pick a name. So if you had like a whiteboard up and like you wrote your ideas and then the, your your spouse or partner could cross them off and write their own. There's a yep. fucking app for that now. Right. It, that's the one, the, the Tindery one that Denton yes. told us about. Okay, you yes. were on that call. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm on all your calls. Hi. You fucking are. Yeah, it's it must be unnerving. I know every every one of these anecdotes you're going to tell. But I freaked out at that idea, too, because it's that's the kind of stuff where you're just like, that's a niche uh -huh. that needed to be filled. Yeah. Like the help you get. And then the kind of fun of making it a fun game yes. instead of a, I'm sure it's a slog for a lot of oh, yeah. couples. Yeah. Who are my trying to name a baby. My friend, lovely Kate, is having a baby. And just the ideas that I've been texting her for the baby name have bring me so much joy and ridiculousness. And what do you do? Let's hear one of your best, one of your faves. Let me see. Because I'll throw in like real ones. Oh, but then you throw in like a Tupac or or something like, <laughs> yeah, I can't remember like Har Harvey. But then, oh, yeah. Franklin J Delano Roosevelt. <laughs> I wrote something J like that. James, Calvin, Dexter, Clark. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I'm not very good at it. That's, that's, yeah, that's it. OK, that's the title of this episode. James, <laughs> Harvey, Dexter, Clark. We can't focus on the title. Okay, I'm sorry. We'll you're right. Get in our own way. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Gone. It's gone. Yeah. We have to. Uh, we have to open up the door of. <laughs> much in the same way, we should have a title for the show that's also a Tinder app, and then we can both see if we are oh, match. Holy <laughs> shit, Karen! You are on to something, and if you're in the fan cult, you can vote on it. <laughs> you just spit your water. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh, what's it? <laughs> uh, I love it. Yeah. So, yeah, I've actually been doing real world things. The day that this EDC announced that they weren't going to require people who had the double vax and were fully vaccinated to wear masks mm -hmm. anymore. Um, we went out because in my mind, I was like, it's going to be like D-Day Times Square. Yeah. Like, I thought everyone would go out. But of course... No one did. And everybody is so cautious. Yeah, I not, feel like I'm not doing it. Yeah. People are very, still very like, you know, they want to be careful and they want to be sure, which is nice. Yes. I so. feel like this is the first time in the whole pandemic where I'm not listening to the CDC. 
<laughs> I have been strict and like double time, but now I'm just like, yeah, but it doesn't hurt. And everyone, everywhere no. I go, like even I went to the park and it's like people are still wearing them. So it's, I don't want to be the asshole without the mask sure. when everyone else does. But, you know, I pull it down when I'm not walking by someone, but it just doesn't feel, I just feel like I can wait. It's okay. Yes. No one has to see yeah. my face right now. I will also, that's a big one. I can't keep lipstick on my mouth to no. save my life. No, no. So the idea that I get to slap a mask on and just not have to worry about ruddy skin or yeah. no lipstick is the greatest. Yeah. You just, it's be, such a convenience. Be like us. Do it for vanity's sake. Do it. Always be vain first. Yeah. Do everything. And safe later. For vain sake. For vain sake. Hey, speaking of vain. <laughs> one no. of your best. One of your greatest segues of all time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. No, I want it. This isn't vain. This is just me like living my life and living it to the fullest. I found okay. a new, a new uh, type of influencer to tell you about. Great. That like clutter core was great. Um, <laughs> you know, the bee influencer thing, of course, was just Cute. right at my alley. But this one is so me. When I saw that it existed, I almost cried. I don't think it's a lot of people yet, but I did find one girl who's like the queen of it. It's a nap influencer. <laughs> Do you fucking know how many quality <laughs> naps I've taken? In my, I took a nap instead of walking around the Louvre. I took a nap on an ancient be marble bench. It was one of the best naps of my life. You love I, a nap. Can take a nap anywhere. That classic photo of me on the plane that Vince took where he said I yep. look like the Unabomber. Another great yep. nap. He put that on my birthday cake one year. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so her name is Alex Shannon. She, of course, listens to the podcast because she's awesome. And, hey. the, and her Instagram is follow the nap. And like she's been like covered by all these cool, you know, Vogue and shit. Sure. She's got these great photos of naps and stuff and like talks about that. <laughs> I'm like so excited it's my new career yeah. now now first of all i support your napping thank you oftentimes when people are texting you and i at the same time i'll be like <laughs> if, if georgia doesn't reply immediately that means she's napping and we can put a 45 minute hold on thank this conversation you. that means so much to me that you just know that inherently yeah it's true we, friendship it's and i'm the opposite where if i happen to fall asleep in the afternoon yeah I don't know what day it is. I don't know what I'm supposed to oh, be doing. It's a gift. Yeah. I have I have strange dreams. I need I need to talk to people afterwards. But I was going to say this about the influencer thing in general, because mm -hmm. we have I actually really do love these updates. I do too. My thing is they do seem to be turning over very quickly these days. Like and so what? when you say she's been covered, because there's it's oh. just everywhere you turn where yeah. it's like, it's now it's cottage core. Now it's minimalism. Marie. Yeah. Um, Marie. Co what is her name? Marie. Condo. Marie Condo. Now it's clutter core. Yeah. Whatever. I feel like they have to write a certain amount of articles in these. Yeah. Oh, for, I feel on these so websites. bad for these writers who have to just churn out content constantly. It's got to feel soulless and empty. And I feel for them. 
and they kind of have to look around and they're like, uh, you know what the new thing is? Ice cream. Or it's like, it's not. It's <laughs> not actually. It's influence. been around, it's been around <laughs> since 1850. You know, it's great. Scissors. Scissors are the new thing. Are you a scissor fluencer? Because, oh my God. Well, I feel like influencer, I feel like at this point, what I love about it is that it's like, no one's kind of taking it seriously anymore. So when there's something in it that's like actually cool that just happens to be labeled influencer because people <laughs> can't not? people can't understand a cool thing without it being an influencer sure. so making fun of it a little in that way i think is really rad i mean i just want to know what the nap influencer first of all i bet she gets amazing swag mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. is she but is she backed by big pharma i want to know <laughs> is she gonna start coming out talking about how ambience that it's really the basis of her oh, whole thing well can i say and this might be controversial naps don't you don't need medication for naps like that's a f- part of it to me is that they're natural okay. wow i didn't know i had a fucking <laughs> Stance on this. You have a philosophy. (laughs) It defeats the whole purpose of a nap. If you have to take something, then that's not a nap. That's a putting myself to sleep. Wow. Now, do you think that in along those same lines, is it not a real nap if I have to go to sleep after I eat a bagel? (laughs) No, no, that's okay. That's not because that's not that's just natural. That's natural. Okay. Yeah. So just keep it out of pill form and you can go to sleep and you're fine. Yeah. Yeah, like a lunch nap is uh, absolutely, I'll allow it. (laughs) Now, what about when you fall asleep because you just can't be in a conversation anymore? (laughs) You're just like, like right now? (laughs) No, no, this is not an example. This is not a conversation. This is our career. Well, then I think that you have, uh, what's it called when you can't stay awake? Narcolepsy. And I think you're a narcoleptic and you should talk to Big Pharma about that. <laughs> you should call Big Pharma right away. Like, call the 1-800-BIG Pharma <laughs> and be like, what do I, can you give me? No. You know what it makes me think of when we talk about these influencers, the people that, because you mostly find these people on Instagram, oh, yeah. right? It's like a thing. It just makes me think of the all the subcategories of murderinos that there are. Yes. Where it's like the um, immune immune system issue murderina or whatever. That's not the actual Wait, title. Wait, is this but... a segment? Are you, I mean, a segue? Yes. <gasps> no, I mean, no, no, this is, oh, this this is, is just, just me static. saying I thought of this, but okay. it is similar where it's just people love to get separated into groups of what, what yeah. they respond to. Yeah. One of like, us. This is what I like. But I want to talk about it. And there are other people and I've always felt so alone. It's almost like a true crime podcast where mm, true. <laughs> true, true but you're true never crime. more alone than when you're napping <laughs> you can't <laughs> no i'm usually surrounded by cats yeah. but like what if there's a meetup <laughs> for the nap influencers <laughs> where does that take place oh fuck so many questions you've you've brought up also i have to just say and i know this is my um this is my personal rebellion issue that okay. I have. Okay. But when these things come up, I, I go like, oh, what would your thing be? Like, what would you? And I don't, yeah. I can't ever think of it. It's like when, um, what was the fa- before Facebook, the thing that everybody was on? MySpace. 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 Thank you, Stephen, the young, Thank you, the Stephen. young man. Uh, Stephen knows. 
like when remember on MySpace you had to like list your ten favorite whatever. So yeah, I would yeah, just yeah. be like, how do you do that? Yeah. I literally was just like, I don't know. I don't know what that would be. What about board or uh, game nights? You're a game night Ooh, influencer. Yes. Thank you. Good. Puzzling a puzzle arena. <laughs> Are there puzzlerinos? There has to be. And if there there's not, be. let's make them. We ma- fucking made a puzzle for you guys, didn't we? The, and people got like it was popular. Yeah. So I think more there must be puzzlers. And there's more to come. And uh, if they don't call themselves puzzlerinos, <laughs> then may we suggest. Um, yeah. Game nights. That's totally your thing. Okay. Thank you. I just needed it. I need something. Yeah. We all do. I need. We all, we all need to belong. We do. Oh, you know what we belong to? Here's, watch this segue. Okay, let's see it. We belong to the fan club of the new Netflix series, Sons of Sam. We absolutely do. Let's talk about it. Let's dig down. Let's influence about it. (laughs) (laughs) And so, spoiler alert, people were, when it, like, you know, as as many people do, when it came out, I got some tweets of like, I need to know what you think of this. Mm-hmm. And it sometimes when people phrase the question or the statement that way, <laughs> I think to myself, is this terrible or mm. is this like, what do they mean? Yeah, they're not indicating what they think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so I feel like I really did go in kind of, and I was like, David Berkowitz and that whole story yep. is one of my least favorite because it, it's a person shooting people randomly yep. and running away which isn't it doesn't get into all the kind of i don't know and then trying it, to use being crazy to justify it there's really no there's no why and there still isn't and it's just like a bummer and sad and terrorizing so, this town yeah so i the same way i was like i don't need to know about this anymore right right and then but then. and here's Somebody pointed out to me because I said, I don't want to watch that Son of Sam documentary. And they said, it's Sons of Sam. Didn't yeah. you notice that red S? And I was like, I actually literally did not see the red S. <laughs> Why would you? <laughs> so then it gets into it. And I was fascinated. It is. I, too. I can't believe that's a real story. The fact that they were cutting to like footage of the early Geraldo show. Yeah. And the DA, the Brooklyn DA. And oh, all that. so corrupt. It goes all the way to the top. <laughs> may I suggest no, that guy was the one that was that came out on Maury's oh, side. Right. Remember? Yes. He was the one saying there is something here, which they had on camera. It was cool because it was about so many different things. Yes, David Berkowitz, the shootings especially, but also um, the, the satanic part too. I was like, oh, fuck it. We're going to get into satanic panic, which I just have such a hard time with because it's so destructive and awful. But at the end, I was like, I believe that this was about Satan in the way that it is or Satanism and worshiping Satan in the way that it is for teenagers and how they can convince themselves to do something based on Satanism that doesn't really exist. You know what I mean? And it's like as an excuse and these like these um teens who are not part of society and not part of the norm and they just can do these and be talked into these destructive things. So that was interesting to me, too. Yeah. Same here. Completely. I mean, I didn't see that part coming. Mm -mm. So, yeah, this is we don't we're bad at doing this because we're there's always spoilers. But (laughs) what I thought was fascinating. So spoiler alert, we'll drop that in earlier. (laughs) But but what I thought was fascinating was those people who were and and like basically was like and then there's this group and this group. But they all stemmed 
from Scientology, which to me says it's a scam because it's someone that learns, well, here's, here's, here's one way to influence large groups of people and get them to kind of do your bidding. Yeah. But now we're going to take it in this occult direction where, where it's kind of scary and um, we're fucking with people. It's very early seventies where people were just like, you don't know if I'm a hippie, a witch, a wizard or totally just a guy with long hair. Yeah. 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 That was crazy. And then the whole story around Maury, the main guy who was just obsessed with this case and it just kind of was this his lifelong obsession and he was right but it didn't matter and that's like kind of what the whole thing was about and it was really sad and you know i mean and it it was just and it kind of about the media influence of the media i mean there's so many things i just and here's the ultimate recommend my sister, who does not like true crime yeah. and will make me turn the channel when she comes in the room if I'm watching You're it. making these hand talking noises <laughs> as if you're like, oh, she fucking talks about it and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Do you see how much she's like, turn the channel, <laughs> watch the entire thing. Wow. Because it's it's about so much more. Yeah. And in the beginning, I tell you, here's the influencer group I would join. Okay. <laughs> High eight video of New York oh! City in the 70s. Oh, so it is good. Mind blowing what that city used to look like and what people had to deal with. And the whole it's just now it's just mind blowing that it's yeah. kind of like history because it was 50 years ago. That city, New York 70? City, you guys, I don't know, was going fucking bankrupt. <laughs> the city was going bankrupt and as you can see, everything around it was falling apart. They were fucking yeah. laying off police, entire police. I don't want to say forces because I don't know if that's true, but like chunks of the police force because they couldn't afford them. Not that they didn't need them. That It was like doubly needed and they were letting them go because they didn't have the money. It's just. Yeah. It's the so, budget cut. I think it was lots of civil service. Jobs right. And there was just all kinds of trash. Yeah. That was like a fucking story high because they couldn't they couldn't pay their sanitation or wouldn't pay sanitation workers. It's so bananas. Yeah, this, there was strikes. It's really. Uh, yeah. I say I say watch it. And we say watch it. Speaking of mayor of Easttown. Yes. Easttown. Easttown. Fuck, it's so good. It's obviously it's Kate Winslet, but it's like twisty turny. It's like Silence of the Lambs E. Hell yes. She's fucked up in so many ways. There's shit going on in her life, but also in the police force. She's like, she's one of those anti heroes because she keeps fucking up and doing dumb shit. And you're just like, do you follow my friend Carrie O'Donnell on Twitter? Probably, but I don't me- go on Twitter. Okay. Well, that's good. But, um, but he keeps making videos of he, the video is always called a mayor of Easton's put upon best friend. And he just oh. makes videos he's like, mayor, mayor, what are you doing? It's really funny. <laughs> that's, that's a unique podcast. That's good. That's true. So you should watch that while you're up there. I feel like it's a, it's a good one to like binge with your sister. Okay. I will definitely. Cause I, I did notice, um, they must have had, I don't know if it was like, if season finale, I don't know how many there have been, no, but, but a bunch of people on Twitter were like, holy shit, there was going just on? a and they crazy twist at the end of the last episode that like I was like, this can't be the end of the fucking show or I'm going to be pissed. But yeah, there was like a bananas twist. OK, cool. So check it out. Love it. That's it. That's a good that's a good wreck. I have 
I have another recommendation that's hilarious because I've also spent the, the past uh, couple weeks sleeping in my 14 year old niece's bedroom <laughs> and living living life as a 14 year old in 2021. Oh, my God. What's that like? It's not cool. <laughs> they had to go to Zoom school for so long. Uh, they it, the kids. It's so unfair. Like when I pulled into Petaluma, this is kind of amazing. There's this old, old building that's right at the corner of Petaluma Boulevard and Washington, which is the kind of the main intersection uh-huh. and the biggest, I would say, intersection in downtown Petaluma. And um, on the they're projecting the seniors, this year's senior class pictures, oh the individual God. pictures onto this onto the this old bank building. I think it's the the seed bank. But anyway, so I was sitting at that um <laughs> the intersection and they they sit there for a little while so Jesus. i look up and there's this kid in a tuxedo with a big smile and i was like god that's the youngest real estate agent i've ever seen <laughs> and it took me forever to figure out because i've never they've never done that before that i've seen and then i realized these kids have been ripped off they were like they're 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 graduating and they weren't even in school yeah. last year. It's all <laughs> so shitty for them. So it's like, here, we'll put your picture up. And of course, I'm sure they're bummed out about that. Too. Hey, I was <laughs> just going to say, that sounds like the most embarrassing thing I've ever heard in my fucking life. Like I yep. I had a cute senior picture and I don't want that motherfucker up <laughs> on the fucking wall. This thing is literally like 20 by 20 feet by 10 no. feet, like being projected up. It's hilarious. I love it. <sighs> But they all look so cute and they're so young. That's so and fucking hilarious. It just, yeah. Is that your recommendation? Have, yeah, my, it's, it's, um, <laughs> go to Petaluma, downtown Petaluma and really st- stand on the corner for yeah. an hour and look at every child graduated from Petaluma High School this Maybe year. Maybe a fun game would be to assign adult jobs to them based on what they look like, too. Okay, I know. We definitely have a real estate agent in the back. I would have bought any property from this kid easily. <laughs> Yeah, the, the pencil you're gesturing wildly with is really helping me believe you. Do you know that Nora had to take a test and she had to have a number two pencil? What? And she, and she kept going, I don't, we don't have them. And I was like, Nora, I guarantee you, your mother has minimum 10 number She's two a pencils. Teacher, of course she does. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, you just never noticed today. them before. Yeah. They don't get it. It's with their laptops. I have a recommendation, a movie. This is for but, real. Oh, I hate s- to interrupt you. Please always that was do. actually that was the beginning of my recommendation. <laughs> I thought I I I see that now, and I do you see it? Respect I was, and appreciate that. I went. I took off. I went way out. I'm I banked around, and now I'm coming in for the landing. Sorry, that it took me that long. It's great. It's great. But among the other things of sleeping in Nora's room, which uh-huh. is her uh, beautiful light blue TikTok lights that go all around oh, the kids, all kids have those. I know it's the cool thing these days. Is it? Because I feel like I'd have a seizure from that. No, they don't blink. They're just it's just a light. OK, you know, that so is... you you turn it on and then your room just looks light blue or well, red or whatever color. You're the you expert like. on seizures. So I'll I'll let you yes stop taking them lightly <gasps> you're a seizure influencer <laughs> <laughs> finally again I'm home. but the, here comes big pharma again to give you uh, that sweet sweet branding money yeah look you awesome. know what all i want you to do is control them big pharma that's all i care about. i just want to really quickly say that big pharma sucks we're totally fucking around they're horrible horrible people for the most part except for the ones that get me off depression and anxiety but otherwise 
Well, the ones that have um, basically put out, there is a documentary. Oh, yeah. On Netflix. Go ahead, Stephen. The Crime of the Century? Yes. Oh. Yes. The Crime of the Century about all of that stuff. And it's Oxy. supposed to be amazing. <gasps> yeah. Fuck, all the, the, the What's that called? The um, opiate the opiate flood that this country is dealing with and it, that has wrecked people's lives and yeah. no one's talking about it. It's so horrible. So crime of the century on Netflix. We should also, that's a recommendation. Let's do it. Um, it's just horrendous. Back to your I blue just, lights. I just did a recommendation <laughs> within my recommendation. This is nuts. This um, is my favorite murder. You know it. <laughs> we have problems. <laughs> um, and solutions. <laughs> So, so, so in Nora's room, Mm -hmm. I go to bed and I was trying to read the, the book I recommended last week, the Oprah book that she wrote called, um, what happened to you, Uh which is great, but it's heavy. Uh And I was like, so I was reading it and I was kind of like getting weepy. And I was just like, there's all these things you can't do anything about how you grew up, but you can do something about being a self-empowered adult, but we all have shit, you know, everybody. I put that book down and I picked up the book, like the last book Nora read that she keeps (gasps) on her nightstand. Yes. It's some young adult fiction. So good. I'm such a fan of young adult fiction. It's okay. No books were written like this when I was growing up. Oh, no. I mean... Yes, we had some great Judy Bloom, but there was this gap between Are You There, Guard? It's Me, Margaret, and Wifey, where literally there was no bridge between. And these days... You know what it was? Sorry. What? The thing we had to use was Stephen King. That was our young adult lit. It's why everyone our age has fucking read every single Stephen King book is because there was nothing in between. You're so right. You're like, I'm not... I don't... I got all I needed to read about getting my period yeah now i need to know about the devil yeah. slash alien slash spider in the sewer i can't jump straight to clan of the cave bear i've got to fucking <laughs> bridge that gap clan of the cave bear <laughs> my mom read it i was like what the fuck is this did you try to read that thing i forced yes. myself to read it one year when we were at blue lake when we were on vacation as a family i had a sunburn i was reading that thing i was just like what are these adults talking about <laughs> my this mom was bullshit like obsessed in a way that i've never seen her i mean she loves reading but this was like a different fucking book for her yeah. in her life <laughs> it really painted a picture oh, but yeah. it, 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 the picture was of a cave and of like somebody <laughs> that lived there in the whenever it was and the clan Magnon. it was a clan, clan it was everybody a kind of cave. working through the clan stuff yep. yeah um back to my recommendation <laughs> uh, so the book that i picked up uh, is called we all looked up and it's the author is tommy wallach uh-huh. and i am telling you tell me tell i don't me. know how maybe it's not young adult it must be because my sister wouldn't buy my niece an adult book (laughs) but this thing is so good i care about these characters so much the plot is fascinating it's it's about uh an asteroid that's coming and and basically everybody finds out the asteroid is on a direct trajectory for the earth i'm on board already that's my fucking favorite subject it's great it's really well written. It's really compelling. I've been staying up till two in the morning reading it. <gasps> yes. It's so good. And I keep going to Nora. 
you read that book, right? And she's like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's really it's good. And I'm like, no, uh, I thought it was just going to be a baby book that I'd read real fast. And like, <laughs> like I, you're a baby. I thought it was for babies. <laughs> Suck their thumbs. She's like, I'd like to let you know that I'm actually a, an eighth grade influencer. Well, I, <laughs> <laughs> I so just saw it. her peek her great. head in here to tell you what the book was called. And I was like, what's up, 20 year old? I know. I know. With gorgeous She's, hair and like these beautiful eyes and like I could see her eyelashes from here and I was jealous. I know. Yeah. The fuck she has and she had the thing I always like rant at her about. I'm like you don't understand because she has the most gorgeous caramel skin because uh-huh. it's the perfect combination of her father and my sister. Yeah. And uh, I was like you don't understand how lucky you are. It looks like you're wearing nylons on the, all the time. Look at my legs. I grew up with legs that look like a map of a river delta. Fuck you. I don't say that part to her but I'm livid. It's like I could never wear shorts. Yeah. My, my legs are so white they were purple and look at you just like walking around. Yeah. In your short you shorts. You don't understand. Long yep. legs. She's a fucking model. What's the book she's, called? She's the best. It's called We All Looked Up by Tommy Wallach. That's so funny because my book that I'm reading, it's not a young adult book, but it's actually really sweet and it could be, but it's not. But it's by one of my, it's also an end of the world book. Oh, nice. Weirdly. Uh, it's by one of my favorite comedic writers. And you know him and I know him, not personally, but Simon Rich, who mm-hmm. I'm just always obsessed with. He, like, he's yeah. done stuff for This American Life. He's written Man Seeking Woman. He's just such a great... He created it. So the book's called Miracle Workers. And the, the tagline is, on the trillionth day, God quit. And it's basically... <laughs> When you're you're you die, you become an angel and you work at God's corporation. He's the CEO. He's a classic fucking piece of shit, like goes golfing at three, drinks all day. He the only prayers he answers are like for sports people because he's obsessed with sports, (laughs) doesn't do any work. And finally, he decides, you know what? I'm going to quit. I'm going to destruct the earth and open an Asian fusion restaurant. No more Earth. I'm shutting the whole thing down. And the main character is an angel who works in the miracles department with this awesome chick. And he's like, God, just tell me I'll invest in your restaurant. If you just let me try to answer one prayer in a month and then you won't shut it down. And God's like, let's do it. So he and this and his uh, co-worker have to answer one this one beautiful prayer of this couple down on Earth. And it's just it's so funny and so many little tidbits about like the miracles department and there's actually is God does have an apostle and it's a guy with a sign who's like <laughs> who's yep. like on the side of the road naked being like God yep. says this and it's like actually yep. God says it's so charming and funny I highly recommend it it's called Miracle Workers by Simon Rich I, it's just Love like guy. such a good switch from like son of sons of Sam and shit and I needed yes. it you know yeah Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant, like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could, as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, 
Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. Should we move on to exactly right corner? Yes, I believe we should. Okay, great. Not that much in the news this week. We're, it's pretty slow going. Yeah, but so exciting. Make sure you Oops. check out all the podcasts on the Exactly Right Network, which you can just find on if you put in Exactly Right on your search in whatever podcast thing. You you know how these things work. And look at Exactly yeah. Right. All our rad podcasts are there. Great. And also great bookings. Uh, oh, God. Hannah Crichton, who is our booker and super producer. She mm. gets great people. It's she very cool to see. Does We have an incredible team and just the best podcast. I'm so proud. And for example, and one I truly love is Tenfold More Wicked Presents Wicked Words, which is Kate Winkler Dawson's new version of Tenfold More Wicked, where she interviews um, true crime authors and journalists. And it premiered this week with Dr. Catherine Ramsland. And they were talking about BTK. Um, and this woman is she wrote a book with BTK. Mm -hmm. She is an expert and she is a very compelling 
best-selling speaker and I've heard her on other true crime podcasts. She's really great. And that it's just, it really is kind of cream of, cream of the crop in terms of um, people talking, true experts talking to experts about this topic that we all love to listen to so much. Uh, that's amazing. I, I'm, I can't get enough BTK info, so I'm definitely going to listen to that. It's fascinating, yeah. And then on I Said No Gifts with Bridger Weiniger, uh, the, uh, this duo is going to be magnificent. <laughs> it's Kurt Brauneler from Bananas is the guest. These are two of the funniest, sweetest, like most amiable dudes in the world. I just, it's going to be bonkers. It's going to be bananas. It's going to be bananas. But it's and- not. It's I Said No Gifts. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And then um, on That's Messed Up, an SVU podcast, this is the this is what I was thinking of when I was talking about the amazing booking. They have uh, uh, Lou, Di- Lou Diamond Phillips, uh, who is from season seven, episode 19 of SVU. Um, he's their guest. I mean, that's. <laughs> Awesome. I that lost, is pa- powerful. Yeah. I lost my mind when we heard that on the on our um, office meeting on Friday when they said that I was just like, I went back to when I first saw Young Guns and yes. almost started crying when I saw him and his beauty. Yes. I mean, I mean. La Bamba, baby. La Bamba. La Bamba that like was one movie. of my favorite movies as a kid. I wouldn't get on a plane. For years, we were supposed to fly to San Francisco with my dad for like a dad outing. And I fucking stayed at my grandma's house because I refused. To, and it's like an hour flight. But I was like, nope, La Bamba happened. I'm not fucking going. And there's like They're photos like, from that time. The, the plane was so much smaller and they were in a storm. And it was like the 1950s, Georgia. Yeah. Nope. I was seven and I was like, go fuck yourself. So oh, that's amazing. <laughs> well, this is how art affects us. All. Oh, wow. Thank you, Lou Diamond Phillips, for saving Georgia. Life. <laughs> they didn't die. They were. Oh, the plane oh, was fine. Oh, oh, good. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, yeah. Do you want to talk about the koozies? Let's talk about the koozies. <laughs> we got some koozies. It's summertime coming up. And once you're double vaccinated, you can stand around in a yard with the same beer for three hours in the sun. <laughs> you're going to need a koozie from our store. And now you can have one that says, here's the thing, fuck everyone on it. Cool. We can add to my collect mine and Vince's collection of our own podcast koozies, which we absolutely have a lot of because <laughs> we end up with a lot of them extras and we use them all the time. So get get be like Georgia and Vince. Keep your drink cold, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and now this is a very exciting part. Um, we're very excited and touched and thrilled yep. to be able to tell you that this episode is Stephen Ray Morris's five year anniversary of working with us on My Favorite Murder. Stephen! Stephen? Where does it go? Where does the time go? <laughs> oh. five, five years. That's insane. So wild. Isn't oh it? I guys remember. Let's look. Let's think back into my <laughs> sweltering one bedroom carp gross carpeted apartment in uh, little Armenia. Sauna. It was a sauna. <laughs> the neighbors were loud. They started fires. <laughs> There's a lot going on. For a, a couple times you recorded it. There was a real loosey goosey production until Stephen Ray Morris mm. rolled up mm-hmm. and was take paying attention, mm-hmm. taking notes, mm-hmm. giggling into his hand, <laughs> making us feel like we should be doing what we were doing. Yeah. He was the original murderino. That's right. And 
we can't thank you enough. So we asked the fan cult to go on and share with us their favorite Stephen Ray Morris memory or factoid (laughs) or whatever. And I don't think you know this because um, you're so busy. You're a very busy man. But we actually locked you out of the fan cult for the weekend so that you wouldn't see this before right now. Yeah. Thank you to Denton (laughs) for facilitating that. He was so sly. He was like, he's out. So there was no way you could you could check in early. So now we're going to share with you um, some people's memory, favorite memories and thoughts, because um, it's been five years, Stephen. We couldn't remember them all ourselves. Yeah. Uh, uh, But some of these highlighted our favorites. So we picked a a couple. But um, yeah. okay, I'm first. Oh, my God. Yes. Okay. This is from Mama Shims. It says, <laughs> my absolute favorite moment was when K and G were attempting to decide something. You know, this one had to be included <laughs> by yes. choosing a number. <laughs> <laughs> These are not to tease you, Stephen. These are just like no, what I love it. joy and lightheartedness you bring to the podcast. These are celebrate good times. Come on. That's right. They asked Stephen to be the judge and told him to choose a number. He promptly and excitedly <laughs> shouted out a number. Maybe seven. <laughs> That's not how the game works. He was able to laugh at him himself what a guy mm. i mean <laughs> you don't sound thrilled Steve. <laughs> no it's i'm just so excited oh, uh, good. oh good okay you were genuinely excited to think of a number yeah. between well, one a- and ten it's also too that sometimes it's like when we're recording i'm also like taking oh. notes and looking things up so sometimes when you when you guys call on me i'm like like Seven. it's just first reaction, <laughs> like first reaction to like what's happening. That's but. smart. Well, you would never know that. And that's a lot of people talk about that, how they don't understand how you're doing all the things yeah. you're doing. And when we go like, what's the capital of Romania? You're right there. With those <laughs> and the fact that you could have yelled or you could have said, I wasn't paying attention, but you would never do that because like, nope. that's not who you are. You're like a team player. You're, there's a reason we yell your name in all caps. Right. You took that level one improv class. You knew to <laughs> yes and us, mm-hmm. and you've done it. Right. Here's the one from Lizzie Borden is my great aunt. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's the fan cult member. The sweetest memory so far is from an old episode where he had a king size can of Diet Coke mm. waiting for Karen when she got to the pod loft. No one asked. He just did. Steven, you are so sweet. Happy MFM versary. Oh. I'll never forget that one, Stephen, because it was a tall boy yeah, of diet. Coke. You know what you need? rare. A koozie. Yes. For that. Didn't you <laughs> yeah. steal it? Didn't you steal it from the job you were? Uh... Uh, yeah, I used to steal Diet Cokes from one of my old jobs, too. That is fucking dedication. <laughs> yeah. Stealing it's from really beautiful. one place to bring to another. We, we appreciate that. We really do. They didn't. Okay. <laughs> this is from Allie7799. My favorite Steven moment was when Georgia gave him his first official paycheck. Now, this is talking shit on us because it's absolutely right to do so. He was so genuinely surprised. It was delightful. I also legit laughed out loud when he admitted he'd seen Michelle Branch in the same venue where they were doing a live show. He's the best. Oh, yeah. 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 He's the best for waiting like six months for Karen and I to barely get our shit together. 
I mean, no one was getting paid, although Stephen deserved it the most. <laughs> yes, every, for real. Every single calculation was written on a scrap of paper in my <laughs> possession. And yep. we finally had to deliver it to Karen's oh business manager and be like, make sense of this and then please pay Stephen. <laughs> please pay Stephen. Please make sure he doesn't leave us. Uh-huh. <laughs> or well, sue we're us. He's slapping now, right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, let's see. This next one is from Emily JW. And she said, my favorite MFM memories when you delivered recording equipment to the Queens of Murder early in the pandemic in your dinosaur onesie just to keep MFM alive. Uh, I have a picture. I remember looking through the peephole because I was scared of or like opening my little peephole <laughs> door. I was scared of getting COVID. <laughs> we all were. And yeah. there was. Stephen. <laughs> you know, we talked about this off mic, but. Stephen, when COVID started and the quarantine, the lockdown happened, you know, lots of people, lots of people couldn't do their jobs anymore. And we wouldn't have been able to do our jobs if it wasn't for Stephen Ray Morris. Mm -hmm. And he put together at home recording kits for all of our podcasts that we had at the time. And when I was on there, like, (laughs) I remember the Zoom call with you where I was just like writing the step where I was like, you have to tell me step by step how to use this thing. And I was just like, and don't assume I get anything because I'm 50. (laughs) And all of this scares the shit out of me. And he is the most patient he's such a good teacher and you really did build that bridge so that we could get through the the unprecedented experience of uh, a a quarantine yep you did it (laughs) thank you okay here's more no there's more here's another one shut up steven there's more (laughs) just take the compliment let us praise you let us praise you uh from ambo props to steven for being that guy in the office and crew who has to simultaneously be recording making notes paying attention to every gd tangent and quickly (laughs) google search every pop culture brain fart reference hey (laughs) mid tangent and mid story wait a second best steven sorry Best Stephen memory is when he bought Karen and Georgia the Time Life books. Oh, oh, Stephen. <laughs> Are you crying really yet, was, Stephen? Cry. It really was beautiful. I, cry, cry. I'm going to burst into tears right after we stop recording. Okay, we'll okay. keep recording so we can get it on. No. <laughs> this um, this is from Chemgirl65, and she says, my favorite, all caps favorite, memory of Stephen's time on MFM is when he went with you guys on tour, I believe it was to Australia and New Zealand, and you guys always talk about Stephen on your live shows, and we usually expect his name to be followed by, he's not here. But when you <laughs> mention him, and then he's there, the cheer that goes up in the venue is just amazing. I Yay. mean, in Australia and New Zealand, that was a life change. Incredible. It was so epic. It, it was, was so fun. Yeah. We loved having you there. Okay, this is from um in hero uh, wait. In her own. Thank you. <laughs> Listen, I can read. They're all mushed together as like usernames. Right. Yeah. Okay. In her own right, 93. Mm-hmm. My favorite Stephen moment was uh, at the live show in Des Moines when Karen and Georgia called him. 
It was a oh brief, my God. you remember? I was like, please don't say anything weird. Please don't, like, before you knew you were live. Not that I, you ever would say, I not mean, that you I ever answered the phone. Like, I was so worried something was wrong. Like, <laughs> I was like, you guys were, like, I knew you guys were on stage at yeah. that moment. And I was like, wait, why would they be, like, did something happen? Like, I was like, so terrified. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, it was a brief few seconds, but it was so awesome to have him be a part of such a great moment with a big crowd of people who were so excited to have him be a part of their live show. Um, this one's from Nikki P. Fave Stephen moment was when he blurted out, aw, because a serial killer would dress up as a priest as a child. <laughs> <laughs> I forget about that. I forgot why I, that story. It's adorable until you it, know he becomes a serial killer. Aww. Little pre-serial killer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, last one. It's from my last name is Holmes. It makes me laugh remembering one of the live shows in Florida. I think it was Tampa when they were talking about the. Sorry. I'm making Stephen edit his own <laughs> phrase. Yes. <laughs> you can, you're allowed to not edit any of this section, Stephen. Oh, that's your present from us. Yeah. When, when they were talking about the emerging slash unknown serial killer and Karen was like, all I'm saying is we've never seen the serial killer and Stephen in the same room. <laughs> Think about it. I don't know why, but it just made me giggle. Happy anniversary to the least serial killer member of the MFM crew, which oh. is so true. <laughs> wow, that's, that's that's high praise. Right yeah. Well, but those are the ones that you the ones you never expect are the ones that are serial killers. <laughs> but I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen and every uh, murderinos know this. He takes so many hits on the live shows. I have no <laughs> shame about pulling Steven in and Aww. giving him shit. And he, I mean, you haven't quit. You must not hate it. <laughs> I really thank you for what a good sport you are and what a great sense of humor you have. And you now can go on the fan cult and read over. There's oh. about 300 comments mm -hmm. oh for you on there. Wow. So thank you, Stephen. And look we out, all say thank you. We do. And look out for a special uh, Wednesday Stephen MFM Instagram post with some delightful fan uh -huh. art of you. And I'll, mm. I'll try to find the um, the photo of you delivering <laughs> the equipment, equipment oh, and the dinosaur. <laughs> oh, yeah. That has to go in there. It has to go in there as well. Oh, um, yeah. Stephen, you're a, tre a treasure and we appreciate you. We're going to send you an edible arrangement. <laughs> do you and know? We love you. We love you. Thank you, Stephen. Yes. No, I love you both. And I mean, this is the longest job I've ever had. <laughs> hey, it's, it's amazing. Come like, on. <laughs> and I'm, yeah, I'm just so thankful. And it's the best job I've ever had and will have. So thank Aww. you. Yay. Yay to Steven. Yeah. yeah. Couldn't have done it without you. Yeah. And absolutely. I can't wait to work together again soon. Oh, God, uh, please. Soon. So, yes. Yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah. So thank you. Thank yeah. you very much. Yes. I can't believe it's five years. I, I know. know I'm like an old lady saying the same thing over and over again, but it really <laughs> blows my mind. It doesn't feel like five years. Yeah. I mean, it feels it, we've all com compared to what it felt like sitting in your old apartment. Yeah. It does. But then just also the three of us just sitting here. It does not at all. That's weird. It's this trio that's like stayed this way it's really cool it's like a god we've been through the trenches <laughs> not the trenches it's actually been pretty fucking sweet but we've been through <laughs> them together we started from we started from the middle now we're here you know what i mean <laughs> you know the song yeah yeah <laughs> all, right. all right you know who's first and last this week Ooh, Steven, tell so us last. it's karen 
Guys, I got oh. I got to blow Perfect my nose barrel. on my fucking dress cuz I can't get up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this is like a live show. It is. I can't I sometimes think about how I blew my nose on my dress at a live show in front of like 2000 people. Hey, and I'm proud of myself. Anything for the audience. Anything. <laughs> Anything to shame my mom a little more. <laughs> Hey, Karen, you know that feeling when you're stressed out and your heart starts to pound and your mind is racing? I do. I know it well. Well, while there's no cure for stress, therapy can help shape your response to it. And since May is Mental Health Awareness Month, there's no better time to try Talkspace. When you sign up for Talkspace, you'll receive a personalized match with a therapist or psychologist, typically within 48 hours. Forbes rates Talkspace as the number one online therapy platform, plus their licensed professionals are in network with almost all major insurance companies. Once you meet your therapy goals, or if you want to cancel for any reason, Talkspace will provide you with a prorated refund for unused time. I feel like these days people understand the importance of therapy, but the difficult part is just taking that first step. It took me months to make my first therapy appointment. I was so scared. I had a lot of ideas in my head about it. And that's why I think Talkspace is such a good idea because making it so approachable will just get you there sooner. Then you can actually get in there, figure out what you need, talk to an actual professional and be on your way to solving some stuff that you might want to solve. To celebrate Mental Health Awareness Month and the power of talking it out in therapy, Talkspace is offering our listeners $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80. Go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and use promo code SPACE80. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and enter promo code SPACE80 and get $80 off your first month and show your support for our show. That's Talkspace.com slash MFM. Enter promo code SPACE80. Goodbye. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. So last week, uh, Georgia, I almost said Nora, Georgia did... (laughs) Georgia did the disappearance and murder of Lacey Peterson. It was amazing. Um, it was so thorough. It was, we got into some real good discussions. It went on long enough for just like this top of show has, <laughs> um, where I, my story got bumped. And it's kind of funny because now this is standing alone, but I still think it, it qualifies because to me, this is one of the ultimate survival stories. Mm. Um, that it was until very recently, very unknown. Hmm. Almost no one knew about it except for the people who lived, um, 
near and around the country and where this took place. So basically, and you might remember this last May, about three months into the pandemic, there was an article in the British newspaper, The Guardian, and it was written by a Dutch historian and bestselling author named uh, Ruter Bregman. Believe, even though his name is spelled Rutger, I, I watch people pronounce it Ruter. So he wrote this book called Humankind, a hopeful story. Mm-hmm. And so this is the Apple Books review with a long history chock full of slavery, genocide and war. It's easy to start thinking that perhaps human beings are inherently bad. But author and historian Richard Bregman has an entirely different view. He believes that most people deep down are pretty decent. And he's rounded up a slew of examples from many of the worst moments in recorded human history to back up his claim from the tragedy of 9-11 to the sinking of the Titanic, from the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina to the horrors of the Nazi concentration camps. Bregman explains how unwavering human kindness and genuine altruism have always triumphed, even in the most horrifying situations. So that's so basically that book was coming out. And so there was an article he wrote about that book and he wrote wrote this article in The Guardian and he talked about this survival story. And that was his example. And the article that he wrote immediately went viral. Mm -hmm. There was like, I think, seven million people read this article in the first week. And there was a bidding war for the film rights, of course. And 60 Minutes did a segment on it that my sister called me to tell me I have to watch. Oh, my God. So basically, everything I'm about to tell you is either from Ruter Bregman's Guardian article, that 60 minute segment, Newsweek, the website Trove and Wikipedia. Right. Because I haven't it, heard a peep one about this. So You have not? Uh-uh. I'm the fucking I'm the demographic. What? <laughs> You're the demo. And also I'm the demographic. Yeah, you may have. He also went this same author and and uh, he's a Dutch historian, author, writer, whatever. Mm-hmm. He also went viral because he was at Davos in, I believe, 2019. And he basically told all the billionaires at Davos, you need to start paying taxes. <gasps> and he was he he explained it. And so calmly that that also went viral. I remember watching that where he was just like, you have to give yeah. more, you should be giving more than your share. He's really, really brilliant, a, a, a oh. brilliant mind. Amazing. So, uh, yeah. OK, so I'm going to tell you this story. And this is the story of the real life Lord of the Flies. Oh, okay. no. Yeah. I didn't okay. know that was a thing. Let's do it. Here we go. So 35 year old Peter Warner is the youngest son of one of Australia's most successful businessmen, Arthur Warner. Arthur heads a company called Electronics Industries in Victoria, Australia. They manufacture electronics, everything from radios to TVs to washers and dryers. Mm -hmm. So like any titan of industry, Arthur expects his son to follow in his footsteps, but Peter doesn't want to. Mm -hmm. So when he's 17, Peter runs away to sail around the world. He travels to Shanghai, Stockholm, Hong Kong, all over the place. When he comes home five years later, he has a Swedish credential certifying him as a shipping captain. But Daddy Arthur is not impressed. Um, so he finally convinces Peter to settle down and come work for him at Electronic Industries. But Peter's love for sailing remains 
strong in his heart. So he buys himself a fishing fleet and he keeps it docked in Tasmania and he goes sailing any chance that he gets. So years later, on September 11th, 1966, Peter and his crew are sailing on his boat. And the name of his boat is the Just David. Um, it's not even true. He's got people on the boat. <laughs> it's a lot. First of all, it's a lie. And sex, <laughs> second of all, it's not a sexy play on words, which is what we're used to here in America. Yeah. It's just David. Mm-hmm. So they're in the Tasman Sea, which stretches between Australia and New Zealand up to Fiji and Tonga. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of a- the area we're in, which is I looked at this map so many times, but I absolutely know that I'm going to be hearing from Australian um, and Kiwi murderinos who tell me what I did wrong. And oh, my God, these pronunciations. <laughs> I, I have a Listen. pronunciation list right here. <laughs> oh, wow. But there this it's basically this big open sea east, I want to say, Is that right? e- east of Australia. OK, it's just it's just <laughs> me, you and Stephen here. OK, OK. And there's okay, no judgment. You. There's no judgment here. OK. <laughs> Can we take a sacred pause? (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Mimi just stretched her paw out. She's like, okay, this is a sacred pause. pause. Okay. So they're testing out some fishing equipment when through his binoculars, Peter spots something interesting. About five or six miles away, he sees a tall landmass jutting out of the water. And it's the island of Atta. So we'll tell you a little bit about Ata. It's a small volcanic island. The volcano is extinct. Mm -hmm. And it's about 450 acres and rising to a peak of a little less than 1,300 feet. And it sits about 99 miles south-southwest of Tonga's main island of Tonga Tapu. Um, So in Polynesian mythology, Ata, along with another small island called Ioa, are the first two islands that the Maui brothers raised from the ocean floor. Mm -hmm. So these islands are very hilly. So the Maui brothers stomp on them to try to flatten them. But it's tiring work. So the next time they raise um, they raise the main islands of Tonga, they make sure to make them flat. So Tonga's flat, but these islands are very hilly and very like they have high points. Got it. Got it. So in 1863, the population of the island is about 350 Mm -hmm. until an Australian born whaling captain named Thomas James McGrath sails his ship, the Grecian, out to Atta and kidnaps 144 of the islanders Mm -hmm. to sell them as slaves. Fuck. So to protect the remaining islanders, the reigning king of Tonga, King George Tupo, evacuates the rest of the islanders, brings them to Iowa and leaves Ata uninhabited. Wow. So since that time, it's the whole island's been empty. So when Peter spots some burnt patches on the green hillside, his curiosity is piqued because it's very rare that a fire would just spontaneously start on a tropical island. Right. So as he's staring at the burn patches through his binoculars, trying to figure out what have, could have caused them, he sees a naked boy with hair down to his shoulders jump off the cliff and into the sea. <gasps> and, and then more boys begin to appear behind him they all start screaming as the boy in the water begins swimming closer and closer to peter's boat oh my god 
When he finally gets there, he yells up to Peter and his crew in English, My name is Stephen. Stephen! <laughs> there are six of us, and we reckon we've been here for 15 months. Holy shit. What's it called when it's a, a gang of boys? Like a, is it like a cr- murder? A salami? A salami? <laughs> <laughs> there she is a, a bag of corn nuts <laughs> what are boys like a bmx bike of boys gang perfect okay. and this is how the unbelievable story of six tongan boys begins okay so in 1965 These boys, ranging in age from 13 to 16, are attending a strict Catholic boarding school called St. Andrew's College in Tonga's capital of Nuku'alofa, located on the main island of Tonga Tapu. Okay, so their names are Sione Fataula. He's 16. Sione is 16. Steven, whose name is Tevita Fata'i. Latu, he's also 16, Stephen 16. David, who is Tivita Fifita Siola'a, he's 13. And Kolo Fikitoa, he's 16. And Sione Felipe Totao, and he's, his nickname is Mano, and he's 15. And Luke, <laughs> I know how to pronounce that one. <laughs> Luke Veikoso. And he's 15. Great job. Thank you. I did practice these. Because it's actually not as hard. It's just that it's way more syllables than we're used to. But it's actually pretty basic. Okay. So basically, Sione, Stephen, David, Kolo, Mano, and Luke. So the boys are bored of school. They yearn for adventure. They're tired of the the strictness. We get it. So they decide to run away together. They're not sure if they want to go to Fiji, which is 500 miles away, or to New Zealand, which is almost 1,500 miles away. Wow. And and they don't have a boat of their own. Okay. But this is what I this is what makes them a, a group of boys. They know a local fisherman named Tanyela Ohila, and they don't like him. So they decide <laughs> they're going to quote unquote borrow his boat. Yeah, they are. Right. I don't like him. Let's steal something from him. <laughs> this guy's a dick. We're taking his boat. Everyone knows. So the only thing the boys pack for this trip are two sacks of bananas, a couple of coconuts and a small gas burning stove. And some they do not- corn nuts. <laughs> and one of those things of salami that has the skin still on it. That you just eat from yep. like a banana. With your pocket knife. <laughs> they don't bring a map. They don't bring a compass. They don't bring water. So Boys. they just got this kind of idea in their head. Late in the evening in June of 1965, the boys climb aboard Mr. Uhila's 24 foot whaling boat and they set sail. 13 year old David, who's the youngest in the group, is the best sailor among them. So they count on his expertise to guide them. So at first, the weather conditions are perfect. The water's calm. The skies are clear. There's a light breeze to carry them out to sea. They journey five miles north, they set anchor, and they spend the rest of the evening fishing. Sweet. When night falls, they all go to sleep. But in the middle of the night, as they sleep, what happens all the time when you're in a boat out on the ocean? Gilligan's Islands will tell you, a fucking storm's a coming. <laughs> That's exactly correct, Georgia. <laughs> Thank you. The, 
The winds start to kick up, the waves get rough, and the boys wake up to water crashing on top of them in the dark. Like, oh my God. Horrifying. So the rope to their anchor snaps. They try to raise the snail. (laughs) (laughs) Yes! Epic. <laughs> Fucking write that down for when it's your five year anniversary. Raise. <laughs> what, is, what is their favorite they Karen? They try to raise their lucky snail <laughs> into the air. Wow. Epic. They try to raise the sail to head back home, but the wind is so strong, it immediately tears their sail to shreds. Shit, you fucked. It's serious. So as the boys try to bail the water off of the boat as fast as they can, the waves toss the little boat around and destroy the rudder in the process. So after a few hours, the conditions finally calm down. But now the boys have no idea where they are. And even if they had packed a compass or a map, it wouldn't have mattered. And with the sail and the rudder gone, they have no way to steer the boat. Mm. So they just have to drift along in the open ocean for eight days. Oh. Yeah. They use up their small food supply. They try and catch fish, but they don't have much luck. And without fresh water, they're forced to use coconut shells to catch rainwater whenever possible. Mm. Oh, that's that's pretty lucky because you pay a lot of money in like a tiki bar to drink out of a coconut. <laughs> So they were kind of set in a lot of ways. I miss Tiki Bars. So the boys have to restrict themselves to a sip of water in the morning and a sip of water in the evening. Finally, on the eighth night, they spot land in the midst of the vast darkness. It's the island of Atta. So 15-year-old Mono volunteers to swim to the rocky shore first. The boys make a circle, say prayers for good luck, and then Mono hops into the dark sea. Imagine how scary. No, I don't want to. Yeah. So the boat isn't too far from the shore, but after eight days of starvation and dehydration, Mono has a very, very hard time swimming. The boys, and this is, spoiler alert, them telling the story after the fact. When you watch this 60 Minutes clip, they tell the story firsthand. Wow. And they they talk about what it was like. And when he talks about them circling up to say the prayer together, he gets teary eyed because it was like they they. You know, they were happy to see land, but who knows what's going to happen. So the boys anxiously watch as he swims as hard as he can to the rocky shore. Mono would later recall, when I reach the shore, I try to stand up. But when I stand up, the whole world is spinning. So I laid down and crawl ashore. And when I touch the dry grass, I lie down. So from his position lying on the ground, he calls out to his friends in the dark to let them know that he made it safely to land. Oh, my God. So energized by that victory, the boys dive in and swim to shore after Mono. Their boat eventually crashes into the rocks and they're only able to save an oar and a piece of the hull. So that first night on the island, they're still incredibly thirsty. So they muster up the energy to hunt for food. They try to fish with the pieces of wood and ore from the boat. And they drink the eggs of seabirds and the seabirds blood. Ah! No, (laughs) they got they had to do it. I know. I'm happy for them, but I don't want they had to do it to them. (laughs) Then they fall asleep under the open sky. So. When we talk about this being the real life Lord of the Flies, we're talking about William Golding's novel, The Lord of the Flies, Mm -hmm. which is about a group of little British schoolboys who find themselves stranded on an island 
after a shipwreck, I believe, and the strain. I'm sure I read it, but I don't remember anything (laughs) of it. The strain of survival and the lack of social guidelines has them at each other's throats by the story's end. Um, It's it is an amazing story and it's taught in schools everywhere. It has been for years. But in this real life version, Mono, David, Sione, Stephen, Luke and Colo make a pact never to quarrel. Instead, they lean on the traditions of their tribe because they're all from Tonga Uh to keep morale high. They start and end every day with a prayer and a song. And then they set out to explore the island for resources. Mm -hmm. They know they have to work hard to survive and that they have to stick together. So they plant a little garden to grow their own food and find some hollow tree trunks to collect and store rainwater. Oh, my God. Initially, the the bulk of their food comes from whatever they can catch fishing, catching seabirds and eating their eggs, eggs and foraging for coconuts. Wow. So basically, they were keto. Um, <laughs> so stupid. Um, but when they start exploring the higher reaches of the island, the boys find the old volcano crater where the Tongans who lived there a century before had made their homes. Oh. They find machetes. They find fertile soil to grow taro and bananas. And to their surprise, they find a thriving chicken population that were left that were left behind when the last Tongans on the island were evacuated. Oh, my God. They build a pen for the chickens. Then they make there's pictures of this, too. They make a gym out of like rocks and branches and stuff that's around. So they have like barbells where they're lifting like heavy things. Yeah. But I got to say real quick, those poor motherfucking chickens, they thought they had it fucking made. Oh, they were like free range within a volcano. Imagine the pecking order and that chicken thing and it got all fucked up when these boys showed up. There is like, bye. First of all, Uh, we killed this main rooster. You're out. You do nothing. They also build a badminton court. Yeah. Yeah. Get yourself some extracurricular activities. It's not just about survival. It's about thriving. And your your sanity will thank you for it. Yeah. They became badminton influencers. (laughs) Stop it. I didn't say it, so that doesn't go on my quota. Steven, don't mark that on my quota. Yeah, I only have like three so far. Yeah. I'm keeping track. Thank you. Thank you. So Colo, who is the musician of the group, uses driftwood, half a coconut shell, and some steel wires from the boat wreckage to build a makeshift guitar. Oh my god. And he uses it right? He uses it to play their morning and evening songs. Aww. So they get fitness in there. They get music and the arts in there. They do it all. If they can do it, how come our fucking school system can't figure it out? Because we we always cut funding to schools and education. That's right. We always cut funding to schools and education because those are the people that they are too busy to fight it. And that has to stop. Yeah. And let's get a good nutritious meals in at schools too. Okay. Okay. That's our other political podcast about the education system. Yeah. <laughs> then I just turn the microphone over to my sister who's like, and another thing. <laughs> Let's do it. Working together in teams of two, the boys draw up a rigid schedule for their various chores, gardening, hunting, fishing, and more. most importantly, maintaining the fire signal that burns all day and night on the edge of their shore. Mm. So they're 
they're on it. Like yeah. the most important thing. They're like, this is great, but it just in case we can get saved, let's give it a shot. Yeah, I love badminton and everything, but we got to get out of here. <laughs> so the fictional boys in The Lord of the Flies ultimately let their fire die out, mm-hmm. which I think is probably supposed to be symbolic in some way. Mm-hmm. But our Tongan boys on Ata keep the fire signal burning for the entire 15 months that they're on the island. Shit. But as impressive as their survival skills are, life on the island is far from ideal. When arguments would erupt, and how could they not, the boys agree to a solution. Whoever was involved in the argument would go to opposite sides of the island. Mm-hmm. Go to your corner of the island. Yeah. To take a time out. So they invented that. Oh. And then they'd come back together with clearer heads, resolve the issue, and move on. I, we should all have a like metaphoric island that we can retreat to get, you know, kick some sand, punch some yeah. waves, <laughs> but then be like, I don't like it over here. Yeah. I want to play badminton with my friends. Yeah. I'm sorry. But arguments aren't the only trouble that they face. Otto's terrain is steep and treacherous, making it difficult to navigate at times. So you'll see in the 60 minutes segment, they, and uh, we'll talk about it later, but mm-hmm. they end up going back with a documentary crew just to show how they did it. Oh my God. And you can see they were like scaling the like sheer uh, cliff faces. It's crazy. Like what they did and how, because they're all really, um, they're all really strong. Yeah. They're, you know, young, they, Fearless. they can do it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But one day while climbing up the side of the cliff, Steven slips and falls and he breaks his leg. Mm-hmm. So without proper medical attention, this injury could have been devastating, but the other boys managed to climb down to where Steven has landed and and like basically lift him back up the cliff and they reset his leg using sticks and leaves. And then while he is healing, the other boys pick up the slack on the work that Steven would ordinarily be doing. And the best part about it is they give him shit the entire time they have to do his work. <laughs> at one point, <laughs> at one point, Sione jokes around saying, oh, don't worry, we'll do your work while you lie there like King. This is a, a classic joke. Don't worry, we'll do your work while you lie there like King Taufa Ahautupo, which is Tonga's king. Classic. Tonga's, right. Yeah. That's such a good slam. Um <laughs> Vicious burn. Mm-hmm. Steven eventually makes a full recovery. He's like, fuck you guys. Watch yeah. me. Watch me. <laughs> so life continues like this for the boys for months and months and months. And at one point, desperate to get home, they try to build a raft out of logs. But when they take it out onto the water, they're only able to sail for about a mile before it falls apart. Mm. Um, this winds up being good luck because the boys were convinced they were in Samoa which is north of Tonga. So they were heading south. But in reality, they were already south of Tonga. So they would have just been going down into, I don't know what, because I don't know anything about our globe. I can tell you it would have been somewhere different. It would have been somewhere with perhaps penguins. Like they maybe would have gotten to the South Pole. Okay. They're they're way down there. Steven's shaking his head yes, and he probably knows a lot. He has a geography podcast, right? (laughs) With no, cats. but I'm looking at a globe right now in oh, front great. of me great, great, and great. a map of Antarctica as well, too, that I have. Thank you. He, they would have eventually gotten there. All cold with no shirts on. OK, 
So they go back to taking turns, tending to their fire signal and watching the horizon for any approaching ships. And on four occasions, Mm -hmm. ships would appear in what the boys hope will be shouting distance. They fan the flames of the fire. They shout at the top of their lungs each time and each time. The ships just sail on oh, by. What about, like just once is bad enough. Mimi, can you, just once yeah. is bad enough. But Jesus, yeah. it's that's hard. But they keep the fire burning until after 15 long months on September 11th, 1966. Mm-hmm. That's when Peter Warner's fishing boat, the Just David. Yes. It makes it closer than any boat that they've ever seen so far. Think of it. If that guy hadn't like hated his dad and have been like fuck you dad i'm not gonna be in the business yeah and like taken off with the stupidly named boat what what would have happened yeah it would have been bad yeah mono later describes the sensation of spotting the boat by saying quote i could not explain how we feel all of us we are full of tears happy and like we walk through to heaven mm. But on the boat, Peter and his crew are frightened by the boy's sudden appearance. Mono told a reporter, because we were all naked, long hair, Mr. Warner did not put the ladder down because they were all scared about us. What? <laughs> mm-hmm. And because uh, Peter Warner knew that sometimes criminals oh. in the islands are exiled to remote places as punishment, <gasps> the crew thought perhaps Mono and the boys were thieves or worse, mm-hmm. trying to escape their punishment. Luckily for the boys, they all knew English and they were able to communicate exactly who they were. So Peter Warner lets them on board the Just David and the boys explain they've been stranded for 15 months. Still skeptical, Peter tests them a bit to make sure they're telling the truth. Mono remembers. He gave us a few questions. He gave us a few photos from Tonga. He showed us the photo of our queen. And we said, yes, that's our queen. Queen Salote. And finally convinced Peter radios into Nuko Alofa to report that he's found the boys. After 20 minutes, a very tearful operator responds, you found them. These boys have been given up for dead. Funerals have been held. If it's them, it's a miracle. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Right. So with that confirmation, Peter and his crew steer the fishing boats toward Nuku Alofa, bringing the boys back to Tonga after being stranded and presumed dead for a year and a half but here's a big twist as soon as they dock police board the boat and arrest (laughs) all six boys for stealing the whaling ship guys statute of limitations and punishment served (laughs) i feel like can we please So it turns out the owner never got over his ship being stolen. And when he heard that the boys were found safe, he told the police he wanted to press charges. So the boys were right. He was a complete prick. (laughs) Yeah. He just. Yeah. It's proven right there. Right there. So. So Peter Warner's pissed. He knows the survival story is extraordinary. So he calls Channel 7 in Sydney and he promises to grant the channel the story rights within Australia while maintaining global rights for himself because he's a businessman. Mm -hmm. And then he pays Mr. Uhelia, the uh, fisherman whose boat it was, 150 pounds for the stolen boat. Mm -hmm. And then he gets the boys out of jail on the condition that they cooperate with the documentary crew that Channel 7 Sydney wants to make. Of course. He's a, he's his father after all. Yes, he's a businessman. They all happily agree and walk free. 
So now with a camera crew in tow, Peter takes the boys back home to Ha'afeva, the island they're from. The entire population of the island is about 900 people, wow. and they all stand along the shore waiting <gasps> uh, for the boys. So there's actual this, footage of this? There's actual footage because they came into... Um, it, they weren't on their island when when they actually right. got brought home. Like the whole their them getting arrested and everything was on Tonga. So when they're brought home to their actual home island, the entire island is waiting, and you can watch video of like Mano's mother walks out into the sea to go and grab him and kiss them. They all thought their sons were dead. Oh. It's, it's a, beautiful. Well, it's crazy that not one of them died. I totally thought you were going to have like, you know, one of them drown or something and they lost their friend. But that, I mean, what amazing story. Right. Yeah. They stuck together and they, yeah. they, they truly, it's a six person survival story. It's yeah. beautiful. Um, Peter Warner is lauded as a hero for rescuing the castaways. And that night, the people of Ha'afeva hold a huge celebratory feast in their honor yeah. among the other delicacies that are served. Um, they, they all eat piles of Pacific spiny lobster, oh. which Peter Warner falls in love with. He's like, what is this? Yeah. So days later, when King Taufa, uh, how Tupo the fourth reaches out to Peter to thank him for saving the boys and offer him a favor in return. Peter asks permission to start a business in Tonga, trapping those lobsters. <gasps> and the king says yes. So Peter then asks the six boys if they'd like to work for him as the crew of the lobster oh, fishing boat. my God. Which gives them a chance at the adventurous life on the sea that they had always longed for. Stop it. I'm going to cry. And the boys jump at the chance to work for Peter, right? It's so good. So in 1968, <sighs> Peter Warner and his family moved to Tonga and they end up living there for the next 30 years. Oh, fuck you, dad. <laughs> <laughs> and Peter and Mono work together and they form an especially deep bond and they remain best friends for 50 years. Stop it. Yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> so basically when so when R Rucker Bregman stumbled upon this story it was like an, on an internet it was like on a blog mm -hmm. where it was a local story that everyone knew yeah. about like in Tonga and maybe a little bit in like the surrounding area maybe Australia maybe yeah. in New Zealand but uh, virtually unknown so he went down there to see if he could find out if anybody was alive <gasps> and it Turned out Peter Warner had moved back to Australia. He got out of the lobster business. So he's living in Australia and he's gone from fishing to he's a nut farmer. Mm -hmm. And he has basically written this his life story and this story of how he discovered and rescued these castaways. He has it all written down. He knows all the details wow. and he knows that there's video <gasps> or film uh -huh. i should say uh -huh. <laughs> um, and everything so when rooter goes down there he's like oh yeah check it out i can tell you this whole story and um most of the boys who are now of course not just grown men but kind of older men mm -hmm. they're still alive too to tell mm -hmm. the story mm -hmm. it's really and peter and mono remain friends so 
Later on, critics would accuse Peter of exploiting the boy's story for his own personal gain, but Mono adamantly disagrees. He says Peter is, quote, like a father to him. And then here's this awesome quote that is my favorite. Quote, I know a lot of people say to me things about Mr. Warner makes a lot of money from our story. Who cares? If no Mr. Warner, we never survive. If no Mr. Warner, we won't be here to tell our story. If Mr. Warner makes some money from it, good luck for him. That's my opinion. I would tell everybody, please shut up. (laughs) Oh, my God. I love him. My hero. My hero. Sadly, just last month, Mono lost his best friend on April 13th when Peter Warner died after his boat capsized (gasps) crossing the Bellina Bar of the Richmond River. He was 90 years old. Oh, my. So he lived a big, rich, beautiful life. (sighs) Died doing what he loved. Yeah. Yeah. For real. And in that episode of 60 Minutes, Ruder Bregman tells the interviewer, quote, If tens of millions of children still have to read The Lord of the Flies in school today, I think they also deserve to know about this one time in all of world history when real kids shipwrecked on a real island, because that's a very different story. And Sione tells the interviewer on 60 Minutes, quote, I think the culture where we come from, we are close, really close family. We share everything. We're poor, but we love each other. And this is a perfect time, I think, in our history to listen to and learn from Mano, Sione, Stephen, David, Colo, and Luke, and their amazing survival story of teamwork, solidarity, hope, and love. And that is the amazing true story of the real life Lord of the Flies. Holy shit. Great job, Karen Kilgariff. Some uplifting, um, good stuff. And I needed just that. As, yeah, right. I think we all do right I'm, now. I'm having a rough time. I'm sure we all are. I mean, yeah, it's it's such a beautiful story of like coming together and friendship and different cultures and what we can learn from each other and how important that is. And I love that that's so different from Lord of the Flies because they actually in real life banded together because of their beautiful culture and the way they were raised and how important that is. And that that's amazing, Karen. Thank you so yeah. much for sharing that. Yes, absolutely. Me too. I I felt like, well, when I was researching that and stuff, it was just like a certain time where I was like, God damn, it's, you know, we love true crime. Um, you know, this is our interest and this is our fascination, mm-hmm. but we do have to float these stories in. And mm-hmm. that's why we love a survivor story. And something like this, too, is like, it's actually just all beautiful. It's a horrible thing they had to go through. Right. Really difficult. But ultimately... It's the proof that, you know, deep down people are good. People do try to get along. And also, I'm going to read, I actually downloaded Humankind, A Hopeful Story, which is Ruder Bregman's story about that. And I'm going to listen to it on my way home. So if anybody else wants to read along with me, I think it's a good thing to take in. Great idea. I think we paused on uh, threatening book clubs (laughs) for the time being until we can get our shit together. But. Listen, I mean, I'll just enjoy that. We could just read it and see what we think. I think I think it's just like nice to know those examples and keep that stuff in mind just as much as we keep in mind being careful or being safe or whatever. It's also, you know, focus on being positive, too, which I 
don't like, but <laughs> I think it's a good idea. You don't like, which is why you have to do it. Because it's like, yeah. it's like Mr. Rogers' mom, I think, said, look for the helpers, yeah. right? Sure. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. beautiful. Hey, speaking of, maybe we should do some fucking arrays since we haven't done them in so long and we need them in our lives. Okay, Karen, you want to go first with your fucking hooray? Sure, let's see. This one uh, says, after five years in a terrible administrative assistant role, 15 unsuccessful interviews, God, 15, Mm. that sucks, and years of being undervalued and underpaid, I just accepted my dream job as an analyst. (gasps) When the... Right. When the hiring manager called, I assumed the worst. And to hear her say, you are the successful candidate. It was the most amazing feeling in the world. When I hung up the phone, my dog and fiance danced around me (laughs) in the living room as I burst into tears from happiness. I had so many days where I felt so defeated, where people treated me less than I deserved. For real, shout out to my fellow admins, because that shit is hard. Watching the amount of emails I got from my current workplace about my departure saying, what will we do without you? Everything will fall apart. We need you. I know. And they're just going to have to figure it out. (laughs) That's right. That's right, girl. Um, And even during a pandemic at a company with a hiring freeze, I defied the odds with a lot of hard work and by having the will to continually put myself out there, even after so many failures. For the first time in a very long time, there's hope for me. Don't be afraid to work hard and follow your dreams, especially when you're disheartened and discouraged. SSDGM Hillary. 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 That is amazing. As an ex-admin assistant myself, I want to say you are never valued as well as I kind of sucked at my job, but that's fucking no, but amazing. Those are the people that get taken for granted the uh-huh. most because, uh, yeah, because they they make everything run. So you yep. that it's just like, oh, of course, of course, those phones are going to get answered. Of course, those copies are going to get made. Of course, everything is going to happen exactly the way I want it to. Yep. And you get no glory and the pay is shit. So hooray. Hooray for you, Hillary. Yes. Okay. This is from Instagram from Sheena Warrior Clogger. Okay. Uh, my fucking hooray this week. I volunteer at my local elementary school. Nope, that's not what that says. I volunteer on my local cemetery. What the fuck? A really? <laughs> Jesus. Elmwood Cemetery in Memphis, cleaning tombstones and helping with events. I pitched a true crime tour to the cemetery staff. Where the fuck did I get elementary school? I don't know. Yeah. I pitched a true crime tour to the cemetery staff and they love the idea. So I'm giving a true crime tour at the cemetery in June and it sold out in two days. Mm. Sheena, way to go. Elmwood Cemetery in Memphis. You better add some fucking dates to that tour. Yeah, for real. Sell out tour. That's awesome. That's very cool. Also, what a cool thing to like, you're doing one thing in your job, but you also you're being creative. Yeah. And you get to like go, well, if I like it, maybe a bunch of other people will like oh. it. And you know, they do. How cool is that tour group going to be? of just fucking raucous, raucous, rad true crime lovers high five high fives from us while you're there yeah have fun okay this one is from peachy 233 yes it is i'm not gonna read you the subject line because i think it's good so i was finishing up my meal prepping feeling on top of the world as i hadn't burned myself today (laughs) (laughs) 
While slicing asparagus a little overzealously, I went right through my (gasps) thumb across the nail, stopping at the bone. Why? Why are you reading us this? Because it was sent in and I think it's worth celebrating. (laughs) I love it. Thankfully, I stopped when I felt resistance. Oh, my God. No. My brother took me to the emergency room. I kept getting strange looks from every person I spoke to in emergency. Then I realized I was wearing my Mickey Mouse pajama pants paired with my MFM Here's the Thing shirt. (laughs) Well, (laughs) right? Well, the doctors admired how I'd managed to butcher myself, took photos of my wound, bandaged me up and sent me on my way. (sighs) Fucking hooray. I didn't need stitches. (sighs) And that I stopped when I did. And here's the thing. Fuck everyone, yes. including <laughs> including me and my clumsy ass <laughs> self. <laughs> and then the last sentence just says, my dad is sending me Kevlar gloves. <laughs> oh, my God. I love that she had that on at a hospital surrounded by people who were like, what? <laughs> yeah. And also, she it's such a terrible cut. It but is. She, but she didn't need stitches. No, so Amazing. fuck everyone. Thank you for repping us yeah. in all the right places. I'm sure a bunch of nurserinos were like, what's up? <laughs> Which and, we love. Uh, thank you for the humility of saying fuck everyone, including my, including me. <laughs> that makes me laugh so hard. It's a great way to live your life. Okay, my last one's from Emily Rom, R-O-H-M. It's a little long, but it's good. Fucking hooray. Also, my fucking hooray today is that I'm 41 years old. And this week, two of my lifelong dreams came true. I'm on the original cast album for Ride the Cyclone, the musical, which I really quickly looked up. And it says Ride the Cyclone is a musical with music, lyrics and a book by Jacob Richmond and Brooke Maxwell. It tells the story of members of St. Cassian High School Chamber Choir of Uranium City, Saskatchewan, who perish on a fault roller coaster called the cyclone oh no that's just interesting so and my first solo album traveling show both dropped on the same day which wasn't even planned the director of ride the cyclone rachel rockwell who was also my friend and mentor died of ovarian cancer before she could see this come true but i know she's listening and so proud and also probably has a lot of notes on how both albums could be improved (laughs) (laughs) I miss her every day, but fucking hooray that her hard work is immortalized and made it to the num- to number one on the Canadian charts as soon as it was released. Wow. Thank you, MFM, for being there to always tell me this is terrible. Keep going. And SSDGM. Nice. I know. So ride- Who is that from? It's from Emily Rome. And so Ride the Cyclone and the album Traveling Show. So check those both out. What's up? Congratulations. Congratulations. That's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Very awesome. So cool. I want to see that musical. (laughs) I know. What a twisty, turny, interesting thing. (laughs) Yeah, that's really good. Um, Yeah, that was that was a delightful show. I really enjoyed that. It feels like uplifting for once. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Imagine. Imagine that. This is what the positive podcasts feel like. That's right. Congratulations. <laughs> they don't even need fucking hoorays because that's all their podcast is. Um, again, thank you, Stephen, for uh, all your hard work and patience yep. and kindness. And happy fifth anniversary. Appreciate you. Thank you. And also, everybody <laughs> needs to know Stephen got rid of his mustache. I know. There were all we're these like that. there were Ugh. all these like st- we love your mustache, Stephen, in the in the comments. <laughs> and we couldn't read them because it's not it's true. just for the week. It's just for the week. It's just a nice reset, you know. Yeah. Turn the yep. box, you know. It's, it's like when to... you shave your head and you're like, 
All right. Let's see what grows back. You're having a bare lip boy summer, and I think it's, it's <laughs> yes. going to be amazing. Uh, and thank you to our whole team for working so hard for us, and thank you to all our listeners. Um, yeah, you guys are the ones that make it happen. Thank you for being here with us, and um, stay sexy. And don't get murdered. Goodbye. Goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. Elvis, do you want a cookie? <laughs>